0: Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is episode 108 of our show. I am your host, Kali Fadams, and I'm joined this week and every week with my man, my mellow, the smooth kind of fellow, the best R&B slash rapper you've ever known, Cicero Holmes. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. Um I what? took a break. I took a break from the hot 16 because my voice is a little bit mean. Stop my time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's, put put it's, respect on my name. Oh, God. Are you just, just going to run through every internet meme that's happened yes, this week? Yes, yes, absolutely. Lemonade. <laughs> Lemonade? <laughs> Lemonade. Yes. I figured as much. I'm, I'm stubby with much. the good hair. Oh, my. Oh, God. <laughs> if you if you
0: could have only known the conversation about taco meat and chest hair, but then we got on before we oh, started oh, the show, you would have yeah, yeah, heard about the yeah, good hair. Yes, yeah, yeah, stubby um, with the good hair. I'm, I'm oh doing man. well, though.
1: Thank you. Thank you very All much. All right, cool.
0: Uh, and our other man, the mellow, the simple kind of fellow, that guy from the other side of Chicago, who is not in Chicago, uh met Bricago. Oops. Mm, 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 mm. Sharif Jackson of Sharifjackson.com. How are you, sir?
2: I am doing very well. I, I must say I'm disappointed at the lack of Cicero raps or si- songs, though. I'm like I usually use that to motivate motiv- motivate myself and get hype. So I might be a little down the show, guys. I don't mm. I don't know. You know what we need people. to
0: do? We need we need to fix it so that it can not just be rap. It could be other genres. So we can have like country music Cicero. We oh. can have like R and B Cicero. Like if he did like some more Jodeci stuff, that would be dope. I want to hear like yeah.
2: punk rock Cicero. Like just
0: he'll break something because he'll smash it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll like well, pick it up and throw it.
1: Bricago, what I what I want what I want from you guys then is to let me know. First off, do you did you do you like. Uh, my uh, my hot fours that I come out with over the last <laughs> the last few the last few weeks, and uh, if if so, would you like me to continue, or would you like me to switch up the genre? Would you like me to freestyle in other genres? I'll just um, say
0: that there's been a decline in the numbers since you started to rap. I just want to say that, that's great. but but, say that.
2: but there will be an increase in numbers when we have great guests on the show oh, to yes. outweigh. Uh, our horrible uh, rapping host, uh, Stubby Stan with the good hair. Yeah, um, definitely,
0: definitely true. Before before we jump into introducing our guest, I definitely want to say thank you to Grand Poo Bear, That is true. Who rocked with us last week. Uh, he was amazing and phenomenal. Dropped some, dropped some science and dropped some bombs on us with some really cool kind of introspective stuff about both Nintendo, his love-hate relationship with Nintendo, and uh, him be, becoming a Twitch-partnered streamer. Uh, and a lot of stuff that I think people can kind of take away from that and, and pull into there. Into their streaming game, so thank you again to Grand Pooh Bear. Love you, brother. It's always good to have you on the show. Yes, yes. Um, And really quick, how are your weeks? Were your, were your weeks all right? See,
1: uh, yeah, um, you know, week is going great again. Uh, for those of you who may not know, I am also uh, a writer for Operation Sports, and uh, there's a, a another beautifully written article, if I may say so, by yours truly. Um, that is up there so uh, if you guys are sports fans or if you're fans of of stan you're stands for stan then uh, go go to operation sports go to operationsports.com and uh, check out what uh, your boy is is putting down because i'm putting down some hotness reef how about you
2: yeah my my week has been pretty well man like i i one of those weeks where i didn't have a lot of meetings so i could actually focus on work at my job (laughs) <laughs> you know, so like I was like fairly productive. I got to listen to a ton of podcasts, so I'm actually almost caught up on most of the podcasts I listen to, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, so I'm I, I have all of the knowledge and all of all of the podcasting in my brain right now.
0: Wow, that's dope, dope, dope. I had a pretty good week. I am full of meat, and I'm trying to figure out how to not be full of meat because I went to. <laughs> Austin and had barbecue like two weeks ago. And then this week uh, I went to because it's my anniversary week uh, oh, for yeah. my, from, from my marriage. Yeah. Um, and uh, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, we went to one of those Brazilian spots where you flip the card. Yes. You go on the red and green, the red and green side. So yes. if oh, yeah. they bring you just like skewers of meat. Yes. And then you sit there and gorge on it and lose your mind and mm-hmm. then your colon hurts. Right. so it was it was one of those deals and it was it was it was good though. It, it was yeah. very, very good. Very,
1: very good. Um, oh before before we do move on, I will say that this past weekend, um, I went home y'all, I went back to Roosevelt, Long Island. oh yeah, uh, this my first time back, uh, my first time back in Roosevelt um, in almost 15 years. I uh, got to go back for a very happy occasion celebrating my boy Nigel's fortieth birthday. Uh, and uh, a lot of us flew in from out of town and surprised him for his birthday, and it was really, really dope. Um, uh, I posted a couple of pictures, but uh, you know, it was just—it was so great to see um, all of these men of color um, together. And you know, we're we're you know really close friends, and it was just like we just picked up right where we left off. But you know, again men of color who have been su- you know successful in life uh successful with families and it was just a wonderful thing to to be a part of so oh, yeah dope, so dope. shout out shout out to the velt shout out to my <laughs> boys nice so so speaking of
0: successful folks reef would you like to to share our wonderful guest uh for this episode
2: sure so like we've had a number of like Great guests over the past, you know, couple of years, really. Yeah. Um, But I'm really, really happy about the guests that we have today. Uh, Obviously, we are, you know, like a podcast of like two years. We've kind of stood on the shoulders of, you know, other great gaming podcasts. Um, And our guest today was, you know, a a, a key part of like one of, you know, my um, favorite podcasts of the past couple of years, which was Weekend Confirmed um and that was a gaming podcast um you know out of the uh shack news sphere um and it was kind of like the you know a bit of a spiritual successor to the one-up um podcast kind of empire that really you know served as the model for a lot of uh of uh gaming podcasts out there um and when i was at gdc um, you might have heard during our um, episode with the uh, GDC interviews that I um, talked with uh, David Chen of uh honor code um, about their upcoming game narcosis um, and i i I got to play a demo it was a really awesome kind of like you know underwater exploration game and he asked me on the interview like do you recognize the voice and I was like i don't really and like so he kind of made me look dumb on the interview which was awesome Um, and then he said like yeah like this is this is jeff mattis and i was like oh my goodness um because like he's a voice that i've heard so many times on podcasts on like a youtube on that kind of stuff um so i found out you know that um you know that Jeff is a ver you know that does a lot of voiceover acting um and like a acting in general um so I was really excited you know when I heard about that collaboration um so I so I th- I thought that it was really great to extend the invitation to Jeff to talk about his experience in in uh podcasting in the industry in voice acting all that stuff so I am very very honored to welcome uh indie Jeff Mattis uh to the Spawn on Me Bracago podcast. How you doing, Jeff?
3: That, I'm doing great. That that has got to be the most flattering intro I've ever gotten for, for anything. Um uh, <laughs> no, that's 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 really amazing um uh to be on the show. I'm really happy to be here guys.
0: Thank you so much for for, for coming and hanging out with us because we know it's it's difficult sometimes when you're in the middle of jobs or just finishing up with stuff and, and, and kind of wrapping up projects that you know you want to kind of wind down. So it it really does make a, a huge uh, difference, and we're super happy that to, to to have you on. No, my stuff.
3: pleasure, man. It, absolutely, uh, I'm really glad to be here. Th- thanks, thanks for thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for uh, ha- having me on. Yeah,
0: of course, of course. What have you been up to? What's been going on in Jeff Mattis's world?
3: Well, so uh, lately I've been working on as uh, as Sharif mentioned, a, a game called Narcosis, and uh, and basically over the past I guess three years or so, um, you know the project's been going, or my, I've been involved in the project. It actually started as a uh, student game project in France at a French game design school, uh, Engeman. and uh, about three years ago, I was you know this was back towards the tail end of when Weekend Confirmed was on the air, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Garnet Lee obviously you know my good friend and and sort of mentor uh put me in touch with David Chen who you know was sort of his mentor back in the day um got him involved in his first video game journalism stuff uh so you know David's been around the industry for a while um he had heard the show i sent him a, a demo a vo demo that i you know cooked up really quick with a buddy of mine and uh you know he called me we had a quick phone conversation and it was sort of like Now, you sound like the voice that we want to use for this game. Um, It wasn't like I had to do any crazy voice work or vocal adjustments. They just, you know, he just said, okay, we need somebody that's, you know, got a naturally deep vocal cadence, and and you're our guy. So uh, three years later, you know, in that three years, I've been, you know, recording stuff on my iPhone and sending it to them uh, so they can incorporate (laughs) it into various demos and stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you heard, I think, I, I think at this point, uh, has been sort of uh, guerrilla-style audio recordings, you know, nothing, mm-hmm. not a lot of official sound booth work or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but uh, yeah, so we, you know, about a month ago, I was up in Berkeley, uh, right after GDC, uh, we were recording the first sort of official audio. I'll be up there again in probably a month, uh, wrapping it up. Uh, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun uh, to work on, you know. David, David, and team are great. Um, they sort of, uh, you know, allow us to contribute. You know, a lot of a lot of the uh, uh, the script is sort of in flux, and everybody's really just focused on making the best game possible. So there's very little ego in the in the creative process and, and that sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so like when I talk with David, he did mention that yeah, that the audio that I was hearing in the GDC demo was not even like the final copy of the audio as you said it was just like sort of these phone recordings but it sounded really good
3: well yeah they they've got a they've got a great sound engineer but yeah the samsung galaxy edge i guess records you know good audio (laughs)
2: like like it literally i like that (laughs) samsung promo in there yeah yeah, well i mean
3: yeah that's what i was using i was sitting in my closet you know (laughs) closing the door I i live near a freeway now so it's a little challenging but but uh but you know you do what you can
2: I might chop that out and send it to Samsung to get us to sponsor of the show. That'd be awesome. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, there you go. Yeah, Thank so, you very much, some, Jeff. Some ad dollars. There you go. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so uh, one thing that David Chen did mention is that he mentioned that you have, you know, sort of your official sort of like voice acting clip, I, I guess, um, I don't know what you call it, like the... The demo reel had. or whatever. The demo yeah, reel. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, that like it has sort of all these different sort of voices and dialects that you're able to actually do that like you used to to uh, get jobs so i was really curious is there like sort of like a core voice that you would say is sort of like your you know like your top voice or dialect that you like to use and are there are there any voices that you wish that you could do
3: oh that's an interesting question um so you know i'm i'm to be perfectly honest like i am I have a lot of experience. Uh, you know, I've been acting most of my life, but nothing, nothing that blossomed into a career. You know, nothing that was not a lot of fully published stuff. A lot of you know independent theater things and and stuff like that. Um, in terms of voiceover work, like, it my experience so far with it has been people are either looking for a you know your your natural voice or a very close variation, or they're looking for some some completely crazy. You know character work and you know given my background and sort of why I'm drawn to voiceover work I, I just I love doing character work I think it's a really interesting challenge to uh, you know bring somebody to life who is you know you won't even necessarily get to see you know uh, you know traditional actor you get facial expressions and all that sort of stuff and unless you're in a David Cage game you're really not you know there's there's a certain there's a certain level of performance that you have to convey vocally that you you can get away with things in live performance that you you really have to be careful with in, in voiceover stuff um so you know in terms of things that i wish i could do um i mean i guess i'm in i'm interested in mimicry and all that sort of stuff that's sort of when i was a kid that's how i got into you know doing different dialects and impressions and things like that so um, you know, there are always, uh, you know, celebrity impressions that I wish I could do that I can't do or that I really need to work on <laughs> to perfect and things like that. So, you know, I, I can't I can't do a good Kevin Spacey or Harrison Ford at this point. But, but, uh, <laughs> you know, some, there's but some,
1: everyone everyone's got a walk in. Oh, you don't have a walk in. No, you know,
3: everybody's <laughs> got a walk in. Yeah. Everybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. I yes. Kinda, I
0: kind of wish that. I, I would love to kind of peek behind the curtain and see what a David Cage read would look like because I feel like no matter where the setting would be, everyone would still just sound like they were French Canadian. Like wait a minute, like like this is set in this is set in Africa. Like why does why is everyone still sound French Canadian? Well, he has a, he has a
3: very special dialect coach that he uses for all of his games, so to get that awkward like you know.
0: They'd, they'd like bring you bring you in they are like jeff can i hear your jason please <laughs> yeah that, that's you when you know jason? do i have to press x to jason? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so i'm curious because i because i didn't know that you know i've been following your stuff like reef said as well you know from from weekend confirmed and things like that and i remember there were small uh, conversations that you and jeff would have uh, jeff canada would have about kind of uh, small bits and pieces about some of the acting stuff that you would kind of be talking about in the background but I didn't know that that was a thing that you really had uh, a huge love for what, can you kind of go into when, when did you actually start to have the acting bug was that super something like early on childhood stuff or was that something that you found that you liked later on so
3: in life? it's it's sort of a combination of both there was um, when I was really young I guess um, the very first sort of you know, quote unquote, acting thing that I did was, you know, I have a sister who's three years younger than me. So, when I was about seven, uh, you know, she had started collecting stuffed animals, and we I hmm. do sort of like stuffed animal theater for her. And you know, her collection nice. collection of animals grew to be like, you know, she had like a hundred some odd stuffed animals. And there was a point at which I had, you know, character voices and personalities for all of these different, you know, characters. So that's probably the very beginning. Um, I did get into, well, I guess there was a, there was a period of time in my, you know, adolescence where I was uh, listening to like a lot of Monty Python comedy tapes with friends and we were Mm -hmm. imitating those a lot. You know, that's where I probably learned how to do my first, you know, English accent or variation thereof. Um, And then uh, I guess I was in my first theater production in, in sophomore year of high school, sort of other uh, nerdy friend of mine sort of dared me to audition with him because he wanted to try something new and I ended up getting a lead and was in several plays throughout the rest of my high school career went to UCLA to study theater um, and I was in a bunch of shows there on campus shows Uh, the last thing I did at UCLA was uh, a couple buddies of mine and I got one of the the, got into one of the temporary sort of extension trailers that they had set up because they were doing some remodeling on some of the, the school and uh, turned it into a junk shop sort of on the interior and, and put hmm. put on a production of American Buffalo uh, the David Mamet thing um, yeah. and then you know after that I did a, a film in uh, an indie film in New York um, more student buddies basically you know guys that had graduated from USC that year and and, uh, you know, that thing never ended up seeing the light of day, but it's on IMDb, you know, you, <laughs> you know it's, one, it's, one of, it's one of those kind of things, you know, got that um,
2: credit. But,
3: um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of, lot of things in between, I got a buddy that I occasionally work on, you know, little creative projects with, um, uh, there was some stuff right out of school where I was, you know, the whole make a movie trailer to try to get funding sort of thing for a bunch of different projects, right. that sort of deal. Um. But, yeah, it's always something that even when I wasn't, you know, making money, making a living doing it, it was always something that was kind of in the background, always, you know, compelling me to 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 be involved some way.
1: So. So you you know, you're you're doing all of this acting stuff and and, uh, I guess how did you how did you wind up migrating into both uh, podcasting and we can confirm, but, you know, and. But video games in, in in as a whole.
3: Well, so that happen? So, uh, podcasting was was you know I was at Shack News and and or over at GameFly. GameFly purchased Shack News, and then a okay. few months after that, uh, they brought on uh, Garnet, and uh, I think it, I think Andrew and Zav were both hired shortly thereafter too. So anyway, they were building a media arm of the company. Shack News was part of that. Uh, shortly after Garnet's arrival. Um, you know, he sort of was the impetus to to get that podcast back. You know, get get a podcast up and running. Uh, right. Jeff Kanata got involved early on, and then, you know, I guess it was it was probably a few months into when they were doing it. Uh, you know, they asked me if I wanted to be on, and I said sure. And you know, we all kind of hit it off, and and the rest is history, as they say. Um, yeah. Oh, 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 and I guess part two of the question was, how did I get from there into into gaming? Video games. Yeah. yeah. And that was, like I said, really that was a another sort of. The guys on the show knew that I was, you know, really interested in doing voiceover work and not quite sure how to get into it because people had always told me, oh yeah, you should you should try that, you should do some of that, you know, that you're you're actually pretty good at that sort of thing, and then I'd ask people in the industry and they'd say, well, it's really, it's really sort of an inbred industry, right? There's like a dozen people that get all the work, and then you've got right. little things here and there, like, like in terms of the big. You know, big budget projects and you know that sort of stuff. Um, the good news is, is that there's a lot of uh, you know indie work and uh, you know the VO industry. It's, it's not necessary to really be a member of SAG to get a lot of work um, right. because there are tons of independent projects that are um, you know paid and unpaid that you can get involved with.
0: How how is so like so far so. Narcosis is the game that you're still currently working on and you're still looking for, um, I'm sure, as many VO gigs as you possibly can because you're doing a a wonderful job in it. And even in the stuff that I heard uh, when I, I think I heard, I think I listened to possibly some of the work in a really early stage when uh, I met David at a previous con. But I'm kind of curious, like, you know, kind of stated like it is kind of an inbred uh, kind of community in the way that the VO uh, system works. How is the state of VO right now? Is it something that still feels kind of like that? Is it something that you feel like it may be opening up a little bit more? Um, Well, as
3: as new, I'll I'll qualify what I'm about to say with, you know, I'm fairly new to the game, relatively speaking. That said, based on folks that I've talked to and, you know, as much research as i could do it's really it's it's really one of those things it's sort of like uh you know music producing at home right it it, mm. it basically became very very easy to do you know right. for a few a few grand you can set up a basic you know setup get the software you need you know you can go to home depot and get the stuff you need to build a basic sound booth and uh so really the the need it's very it's very very sort of low overhead for folks to search for voice actors and there's, you know, a handful of places where you can, you know, put your demo up or audition for specific things. Um, Mm -hmm. but it, but there's a lot of it that is, you know, if you have the ability to record something high quality very quickly and turn it around on your own, in your own studio, you're going to be much more appealing to, you know, a lot of these potential voiceover, Outlets, you know, folks that are looking to to get a get an audio sample. I mean, you know, obviously the bigger gigs, they'll call you in. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's a whole that's a whole other story. But but uh, um, yeah, no, it's really it's really weird. Right now, at this point, I'm just, you know, the game has been very helpful for me in terms. of, I mean, it's not out yet, but you know, David's been very supportive uh, of of the work that I've been doing, and uh, you know, he'll sort of anecdotally tell me stories about oh, you know, people have heard this or you know, so and so that's involved with this project has heard it. And it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, wow, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too excited, (laughs) but like, that's pretty awesome that, you know, these people are hearing what I'm doing at this stage and they're liking it. So I am, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic for, uh, for good
2: things to come. Awesome. So, so like we're a show, you know, that like focuses on sort of, um, you know, on highlighting the diversity in the gaming industry. um, And I'm really curious as to how you see that sort of, in the uh, voice acting industry. Cause I know that like some of my favorite kind of, we can confirm episodes were the ones with you and um, um, Andrea Reen, Cause I really like sort of like, you know, her oh, perspective right. on the industry. Um, and, you know, to be honest, there's just not a lot of gaming shows that have that female perspective that they add to it. So is, you know um, in your time in like sort of, sort of, acting and voice acting as well, sort of like you can like expand that to the overall acting that, that you've done too. Um, do you see sort of like issues of, um, of diversity? Is it something that you've run into? Is it something that you've seen sort of in casting calls and like, uh, things like that? Like, have you noticed sort of a difference between, you know, how maybe like men and women are treated or like different, you know, um, races or anything like that. Well in, it's I a mean, your time in the acting sphere.
3: No, that's a that's that's a really good question. Um I mean clearly it's uh you know it's it's always something we have to to, to be aware of and, and it's it things aren't it's not a level playing field right now. Um you know if things are getting better. There are definitely a lot more uh you know strong roles for but it's sort of like Hollywood, right? You look at Hollywood and it's like, yeah, there's a handful of really great roles for females or great roles for for black actors or you know but but for the most part comparatively it's just not it's it's not a fair game right it's not that the quality of the roles i mean the the quantity of the roles may be you know okay but the the quality of the roles i think there still has a lot of there's a lot of work to be done there um you know that's my own personal opinion i i just i i think that you know things are slow people are slowly starting to realize that the more people you have contributing to you know the conversation when it comes to any sort of art, the better art you're gonna have, the more diverse art you're gonna have. Um, you know, part of why I play games is to have you know experiences that I can't have normally, uh, you know or, or can't have as part of my day to day existence. and so you know, I think I think diversity is an issue. I think that that but it's you know it's something that will continue to improve like we'll continue to have more more diverse a more diverse makeup of both actors and uh and projects um it was kind of interesting i was doing a little bit of research cuz cuz when when i saw the question you guys, guys kind of gave me a little heads up i was like oh that's a good question like who are my favorite like what are my favorite female you know voice performances of late and i was sort of i went through the list and i did some research and I was like, well, you know, you got Jennifer Hale from Mass Effect and, absolutely, and, you know, Courtney Draper was great from Bioshock and, you know, Ashley Johnson from The Last of Us and Ellen, Mac- right. Ellen McLean from, you know, Portal and the narrator from TF2 mm-hmm. and Sissy Jones mm-hmm. who was just in Firewatch. She was great in that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was looking at a lot of these roles and I'm like, you know, these are, these are all, a lot of these are really strong vocal performances, but of all the ones that I, you know, sort of popped to mind. Only a couple of them were protagonists. You know, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, there's some really strong. Like, I think GLaDOS is a is an amazing, you know, role from from Portal. The the uh, yes. You know, just absolutely killer vocal performance there. Um, but again, not not a playable character. You know, um, right right. And so, you know, certain things. Are, there are strong roles there. You know, I think. Ultimately, though, um, you know, there's 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 a ways to go before, you know, I think everybody everybody's getting the games that they that they want deserve to play.
1: Jeff, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna th- uh, throw a curveball. Sure. I'm gonna call an audible, Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> All right. And, All right. Uh, and, Omaha. Uh, <laughs> you didn't scream Budweiser first, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> and, and um and ask you, what was your First gaming love. What was the game that made you scream, Darla? Oh man,
3: um, that is that is a good question. I well, if I'm if I'm being honest, yeah, sure. Um, uh,
1: no, 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 no. I'm not, gonna, yeah, no be, I'm not going to. I'm not
3: going to lie. No, I'm just <laughs> sorry. That, that was another way of me to. Say, no, uh, that was a way for me to say I am thinking. I'm trying to right, turn, I'm delay taking, my response. I'm taking some time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, well, so I have really, really strong memories of getting. Uh, you know my folks got my sister nine nes the the, nice. the year those came out and you know super mario brothers and and it's you know sequels thereafter and you know the right. very first metal gear game and things like that so I, you know i was hooked early on i guess but even before that my dad was sort of like he had some buddies and they'd go out and fly uh, radio controlled airplanes or or string sure. or string controlled airplanes and he'd drag me along with them and and afterwards, we'd always go get pizza, and they'd have beer or whatever. And there'd be an arcade in the in the pizza place, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I was playing a lot of Space Invaders and Asteroids, and you know, that's that's I, I mean, yes. I grew up on the really cut my teeth on the really really early stuff. Um, and then, you know, uh, I would say, you know, the next sort of big gaming moment for me because I sort of I gamed a lot up until I went away to college, and then sort of had a you know, four year period where, you know, the gaming industry was sort of reinventing itself. And, you know, there were a handful of things I was playing, like the very first, uh, uh, Warcraft, not, you know, sure. you know, like, mm. like, right. like that sort right. that sort of stuff. And yeah.
1: Ultima. and
3: Yeah. 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 So that's, so I was dabbling, a little, dabbling a little bit in that kind of stuff. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I've, I, it's it's always been in my DNA, sort of. Like it, I, it's it's sure. really I can't t- I can't really think back. I can think back in in terms of a lot of really strong, you know, gaming memories and the experiences that really impacted me the most. But um, you know, I think the, the the experiences that that have impacted me the most are actually not ultimately those first gaming experiences, those formative ones. Right. Um, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of that just has to do with. Well, I mean, I'm just really excited about the medium in general. I always have been about its potential, about its potential as a storytelling medium, and I think we're still really, really early in what yeah. in what we can accomplish in that regard. Yeah. But um, you know, every year I get surprised a little bit. There's a handful of games out there that are just like, "Yes, okay, that's thank you for tapping into that," or you know, "Thanks for mm-hmm. thanks for pushing the envelope a little bit."
2: Yeah. So so um, I actually. <laughs> speaking of games, actually, I did a little digging. I found uh, these uh, Weekend Confirmed Question of the Week videos, as you guys, you suppose, <laughs> that I honestly didn't know about when I used to listen to the show. Um, and I saw that you had answered one question that was like, what are your top five games? Oh, uh, Alright. And the games that you listed were like Deus Ex, Half-Life 2, Red Dead Redemption, System Shock Skyrim, in San Andreas. Yep. And you mentioned that sort of like that you had a real preference for sort of like the open world kind of like strong immersive narrative games. And this video was from a a couple of years ago. Um so I was really curious as to, you know, there's been a lot of new sort of open world kind of narrative games, your GTA 5s, your Fallout 4s and that kind of thing. So I was wondering if there's been any games in the last couple of years that you would actually, you know, sort of put up in that Pantheon, um, you know, uh, or like, or at least in the conversation for being like sort of like a top game
3: oh, of, yeah. of your
2: gaming experience.
3: No, d- definitely. Um, you know, like I said, every year the envelope gets pushed a little bit. Um, right now in terms of like like, like those big open world games, I'm still very, very partial to those. Uh, you know, Witcher 3 is probably... Yeah. Like you know, if it's not the best open world RPG ever made it mm-hmm. it's pretty close, right? It's up there, like yes. you know you yeah know, it's pretty like, close. Like, like it's really really and and again, that's I know it's not for everyone, but it's it's the combination of the the storytelling and sure the combat could be a little bit stronger, but it it it's of all the games sort of uh, uh, you know makes give, gives me the the greatest sense of presence and being in a world. Um, and you know taking part in a story uh, so that, that's that's really that that's really one of my favorites. Um, the other ones that I would sort of add to that list Grand Theft Auto 5 I would add to that list um, um, because I think it pushed the envelope in a lot of important ways um, yeah. I don't think it's a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination um, but there's a lot of stuff I really really love about it um, uh, uh, let's see uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag I know that's going back a little bit mm. but like that, yeah. that that's another open world game that I think really sort of pushed the envelope and we finally got a, a pirate game that was that felt like a pirate game I mean they could have basically made that into two separate games uh, you know I would have played a game just of the naval combat and storming the beach and I mean there hasn't been an experience like that where you can you can take naval combat to, <laughs> to the ground take over an entire fort um, you know that kind of stuff's really neat right um you know, and I also think you know the Batman series is doing a really good job. You know, like I really like Arkham Knight a lot, um, but but I don't I don't know if that's that's probably not as envelope pushing as as say The Witcher Three. You know, some of the stuff Ubisoft is doing is really good. Like the Far Cry series is is pretty excellent, um, just in terms of open world gameplay. Um,
0: Did you see that Batmobile tire smoke? That is pushing the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah best tire smoke, smoke <laughs> that's to right that's right
3: <laughs> um uh but like like coming up i'm really really excited about like the three games that popped to mind were mafia three no man's mm. no man's sky and star citizen and i'm just i couldn't be more excited about those three games um in terms of an open world angle
0: let's 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 dig into that a little bit uh i'm i'm curious to 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 know what are you thinking about those kind of games specifically, because I know, I know we specifically, at least I was when we saw the reveal on Mafia Three, was super hyped to see the kind of two protagonists or the the main protagonist being a, a black dude was specifically exciting for me, right. and then seeing that one kind of still of, of the black woman kind of with the with the dope fro. Chilling in the back, just like a part of the crew was something that was specifically really cool for me. What what was the things that you saw in that in that game that kind of sparked your interest in it?
3: Well, it's it's locale and character for me as well. You know, like I, mm. I was like, you know, I, I love the Mafia series, you know, but we've had two games about the Italian mob. And I'm sure the Italian mob will factor into this game in some way. But but I was kind of like, all right, we we've, we've been there. Like, let's see where else we can what else we can do in this world. What other stories we can tell? Um, the thing that excites me the most is presentationally those games are amazing and they always have been and mm. now they're sort of you know going a little different with it and you know they're talking up the open world aspect of it a bit more and like being able to to choose your own path through the story um, in terms of what activities you participate in and that sort of thing um, you know all, that, all that's really exciting to me um
0: what about No Man's Sky?
3: Uh, no Man's Sky is either go- going to be a game that I get lost for days in or it'll be a game that I spend eight or ten hours in and go, wow, this thing is just too too big. What the hell am I doing? Like, I don't even know what to do. You know, it's like <laughs> Minecraft in space, but not. And um, No, it looks, it looks absolutely incredible, but I think the real challenge of a game like that and, and you know, promoting it and selling it and just getting people to understand it is you kind of have to play it for a while to really, you know, get a handle on everything that it has to offer. And, you know, I don't think anybody's really had a chance to do that yet.
0: It's interesting. Um, that game has been something that we've talked about a lot on the show and we're still trying to figure out what, not, not the, the, what are you going to do part? Cause I think that they've been a little bit better in the most recent month. Yeah. Or two, especially because there's been a lot of stuff on IGN that's been running where they've been, they've been given the kind of time that you need to dig into the universe a little bit. Um, I, I know that you're big on story, and I know that setting will be great because you're jumping around the universe basically, but do you think that there might be. And a lore that will pull people into that game. I'm, I'm, that's the one thing I'm curious about. I'm hearing small tidbits of stuff. They were talking about a new comic book that's happening or something to that effect. But I'm so interested to see about what people think about the lore or if they think there is actually going to be one.
3: I'm, I mean, I'm hoping so. Um, it, there's certainly the potential for that. And when they, you know, like you said in those IGN videos, there was one they were talking about a, you know, a monolith that was teaching you, you know, a, a word in an in a alien language, right? So there's you know a bunch of different languages that you have to learn and your ability to communicate with aliens on different planets will sort of depend on how much of the language you've been able to assemble for yourself um you know that sort of thing is really neat to me um but uh sorry i i think i might have lost the the nugget of your question what's
0: no just like if if the You know, we we're still trying to figure out what this game is going to be, and if that lore is going to be something that you feel may be able to pull you in. Oh, right. right, If it is actually, if it is actually pretty good. Yeah,
3: I mean, I get the sense that that regardless of how good the lore is in the story, that it's because of everything is so procedurally generated to a degree. I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff that they've planned to make this all you know be cohesive in terms of the entire universe. There's got to be some sort of systems in play or some way to progress or you know feel like you're accomplishing something um, mm-hmm. um but in terms of actual story i think it's going to be more uh m- more like some you know some of the most interesting stories in gta 5 are the ones where you know you're in multiplayer and you're out with some buddies and some crazy shit goes down and and it's, <laughs> it, there's you know it's not scripted at all um i think yeah. emergent you know if it's got good emergent gameplay and and the possibility for things to like different systems to collide in interesting ways, um, I think that will be the most interesting part. But you know, again, I could be totally wrong. It's like I haven't, I haven't spent any time at all with it. Um, you know, mm-hmm. but um, that's just my sense. So we're
1: gonna switch from uh, emergent gameplay to emergent name play. Ooh, you um, like what I did there? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, You're yeah, a thank genius. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. Um, so, so Jeff, what is, what's the background to the name Indy? And, and is that, you know, is that a name that you still like, you know, if, if someone gets mad at you, do they still call you Indy? Does your mom call you that when she's really mad at you? (laughs) No, no, that would be, that would be incredibly awesome though. I think I'll have to, no, um, um, no, it came, I mean, it, it
3: came from weekend confirmed, uh, you know, after the first couple of shows, you know, we were having a pre-show discussion and Jeff and I were talking and he's like, man, we really need a way to to differentiate us a bit a bit more. And, and you know, I was I was basically the Shaq News Indie Games beat guy at that time. Um, you know, I've got a really soft spot in my my heart for independently developed work. Uh, right. And so that's yeah, it just kind of they used it, it kind of stuck. And yeah, I mean, I don't I don't actively call myself that, but like I I. You know it's I, I look at it affectionately, like it's you know if somebody calls me that it's like, oh man, cool, you watch the show or whatever or you listen to the show <laughs> or whatever, You know. right.
1: um so in I guess in that vein and 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 kind of uh piggybacking off of uh the, the conversation that you were having about how how much you're enjoying stories and and the evolution of the story in the video games yep. um can you have there been games this year? Um, that 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 you've been able to play, that you've experienced, that really have had, um, kind of um, just th- th- that you, where you were able to see the evolution in in storytelling and video games.
3: Yeah. So, um, and one of the one of the games I've already talked about, um, Witcher Three, I think is, and the re- one of the reasons I think it's the gold standard for RPG storytelling is because of those decisions that you make in the game and they're gray moral decisions and you don't know how they're going to play out. And, and some of them, they sort of, you, you know, you make that decision and then 20 hours later, you figure out what the result of that decision is.
2: And I think,
3: and I think it's absolutely genius to do that structurally with a lot of your major plot points, because as a player, you know, we we're used to like, Oh, I chose the bad option. Like, you know, let me reload. Or, or I didn't want to do that. Let me, re- but you know, you're 20 hours in afterwards, you kind of learn to live with your decisions and realize that, you know, the game, what the game teaches you is there really is no, you know, there's sometimes there really is no right choice. It's just about what you project onto the world, you know, it's, it's right. What, right. Um, so, the, so I think that's, that's really neat. I'm um, something else uh, on the, on the other end of the spectrum that I think is really pushed, uh, or, or did some interesting stuff with game narrative is, uh, is Firewatch. Um, yes. Oh yes, yeah. You know, that, just, that,
1: that is the correct answer, Jeff, but Oh, way. Oh, great. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Okay, okay. All right. What do I
3: win? Um, so, so yeah, that's, I mean, I think, I think that game is <clears throat> absolutely brilliant from a narrative perspective because that's really what it is, is it's right. it, it is a, a using a video game and video game visuals and mechanics to tell, a story from, you know, and the, you know, as the, as the recipient of the story, you're, you're, you know, a participant, but you're receiving that information. You know, yes. Anyway, yes. really, really interesting. Um, uh, you know, the story itself is, uh, is well written. And line, you know, as I mentioned before, the voice acting is, is right. really, really solid and, and, and real and, and, and fun. The story is really engaging and without being ridiculous. And, right. uh, um, but it's one of those things where you're like you know there's stuff you can do in that game like you know uh traditional video gamey stuff like you can if you see litter on the ground you can go pick that up and right. and mm-hmm. and it's 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 telling to me because i knew i wasn't in a sense, I knew I wasn't getting any traditional video game reward for doing that, but right. I, felt, I still felt compelled to do it because I was very much into the world and into right. the characters and what would this character do and that sort of right. thing. So, so I think that's, that's pretty, a pretty, pretty great example of, of uh, narrative sort of carrying the experience.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing um, th- that's important to mention about Firewatch is that all of those events are voiced, so right, you know, right, if right, you right. if you go and you pick up some random litter, um, your character Henry will say something about that, and and there there will be a conversation um, that that transpires as a result of you picking up the litter or a stray bottle or or you know turning off a radio or stealing the radio, yeah. um, and you know and these are conversations that you don't have to have, you know, people will play the game and and they'll go through the entire experience and there will be, you know, pages and pages of dialogue that they potentially would have missed as a result of just not doing certain things.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. And it's, and again, it it pushes the narrative to the forefront as almost like a reward. Like those are the collectibles you're getting is, you know, I want to hear more of the story. I want these two characters to interact some more. Um, which is which is great i mean that's that's really amazing and i think that's that's what a lot of games should should strive for i mean you know so much of games narrative is still you know sort of a a, an afterthought and you can kind of kind of tell and when it's when it when it does get used and when it is the focus um you can do some pretty amazing things
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I, the question I wanted to ask was, you know, we've seen a pretty big shift in the the kind of naming and the kind of way that folks have been looking at indie titles in general. Yeah, I think it's been changing a lot since the times, even in the past, you know, five years that we've seen it. A lot, a lot of big publishers and developers that have kind of been using that title to describe the projects that they've been making. Um, but it also it seemed like there's been this really weird blurring of the lines where you know a bigger company like an Activision sometimes will put out the smaller title from another side development team and put that as an indie title do you think that the the kind of terminology that we've been using has been becoming a little bit obsolete do you feel like the word indie still has the same meaning like it like it did a couple years ago
3: well i mean yeah you know you're right you definitely have a point to to a certain degree if there's something that resonates that's catchy and that that is descriptive and it's it's you know basically created a market for for indie independent games um you've got big publishers trying to sort of co-op that energy and you know pass themselves off as being the the you know the gritty game developer that's you know, I I totally understand that. Um, I, mm-hmm. I I think that while it is a it is a problem in terms of you know. You should call yourself what you are. Um, some of those situations are probably you know legit indie like, like um, mm. and what, what what I mean by legit indie is I guess I should start there. Um, independent true independent to me is if you are able to make the thing that you want to make without having people that are in charge of the money making decisions for you because of time or because they need to sell something or because they think something won't, you know, be received well by the audience when the artist has control and complete control, that's a true sort of independent. You're basically independent of the shackles of the financial system as it were, you know, like the, the, basically the the publishers and the people that are taking a piece of the pie, the people that aren't really doing much on the creative side. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that I think is, is the, you know, the true meaning of indie, like to a certain degree, the reason that I love studios like, you know, CD project red. And, you know, I think the work that rockstar does is amazing you wouldn't re- mm. you wouldn't really call them independent studios and and you you know in this in in the context of this conversation you cer- you certainly wouldn't but but that's the con- i mean they basically make the game it's like martin scorsese when he makes a movie they're like you know nobody's getting in his way telling him second guessing like you know who he needs to <laughs> cast or like what scene needs to be where it's just kind of like he's earned the right to you know or has the the money to do you know what it is he wants to do um, so to a large degree, um, you know, when I think of the indie, quote unquote, indie space, I think of, you know, p- people making the games that they want to make regardless of, you know, because they think it'll be fun or because they have a story that they want to tell, not because, oh, well, you know, we sold, you know, first person shooters sol- sold, you know, millions of units last year, so they're still a big thing, so we should make a first person shooter, you know. Mm. Um, um when you have creative control uh I think that that ultimate, ultimately is what makes you independent
0: oh man yeah that's that, that was actually a really great answer i I, I appreciate that perspective because yeah, it is it great. is a changing kind of uh ecosystem that we see kind of happening right before our eyes and it is it is a lot of discussion that you 'll hear from indie developers themselves you know quote unquote true indies you know the the you know before they got big the the beers and the and the kind of uh um, uh, Fulbrights and stuff like that. You'll hear people in those spaces talk about, you know, there there are new companies, quote unquote, new companies coming into the space and kind of monopolizing some of the 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 the, ad, the revenue that's coming in because they already have budgets to to, to do that kind of stuff. So, right, right. That's, that's that's great perspective. Great perspective. Um, we are not independent in the same ways that a lot of places are independent because we are lucky enough to have an ad. From our dope folks from Mac Weldon. And the way that we're going to roll into that is I'm going to say, hey, Cicero, tell us about Mac Weldon and tell them how dope they are for sponsoring the Spawn on Me podcast.
1: Uh, Mac Weldon is dope for sponsoring the, the Spawn on Me podcast. Um, <laughs> Mac Weldon is. <laughs> Mac Weldon, seriously, is better than anything that you're wearing right now. Um, it, again, uh, you know, if, if you've been listening to us since we were uh, lucky enough to get our hands on some Mac Weldon uh, basics um, I have completely changed my lifestyle I only the only <laughs> thing that touches my body <laughs> is Mac Weldon products um, and and my my closet and drawers um, are now filled with Mac Weldon uh, drawers and drawers and socks <laughs> and t-shirts Um <laughs> Nice. It's all antimicrobial. Um, I, I and and uh, over the weekend, I literally danced the night away. My feet did not sweat. My feet did not stink. My shoes did not stink. This stuff works, man. Uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing.
0: I kind of love the contrast <laughs> between you being like nothing smelled.
1: Right? It didn't. It didn't. Nothing yeah. smelled.
0: Another he's smell. like I'm it's like I usually smell like a bag of poop. But, yeah, I mean I, I have I, my MacBook and right. stuff
1: but it. it was great. Right. I mean usually <laughs> I smell bad enough that you know people will walk by me and want to give me a dollar or or, a or something like that. Hey, if <laughs> but,
2: it if it stands up to that homeless funk. Yeah. It is worth getting.
1: Yeah, it, I mean it's it, there's there's some crazy witchcraft science going on. Um, you know, and if you guys go out and you get Mac Weldon, you, you, uh, you purchase something from MacWeldon, and you don't like it or it doesn't fit, you can return it uh, and get your money back or they'll exchange it for another size. No questions asked. Um, and while you're at MacWeldon, you go to MacWeldon.com, you put in the promo code SPAWN, S-P-A-W-N, you will receive 20% off your first order awesome uh, yeah remember that promo code spawn s-p-a-w-n at MacWeldon.com. com.
0: hashtag you won't stink anyway we, we're having a great time with jeff mattis we're gonna come right back after our break and talk a little bit more about narcosis uh we'll be right back after this well all right it's your boy dino red coming at you from the Shiznit show
1: And I'm here to invite you to come through and check us out. If you've never listened to The Shiznit Show, then you're in for a treat. We talk about everything, and I mean everything from race, politics, religion, pop culture, celebrity gossip, relationship advice, sex. That's right, sex. Everything. And with a whole lot of craziness and funniness thrown in, come by, tell them Khalif Adams sent you. We can be found on Stitcher and iTunes, as well as a host of other podcasting sites but don't look for us under the shiznit show look for us under the red rock podcast network holla at your boy The shiznit.
3: you're listening to spawn on me on esn.fm
0: Welcome back, everybody, from our ad break. Thanks to everyone who gave us some dope stuff to promote. We definitely want everyone in our community to love what you're doing. So, you know, if you do want to have your bumpers played in our show, shoot us an email. We'll give you all that social media business at the end of the show uh, so that we can help promote you and your dope stuff that you are doing in the community. Um, So when we left off, uh, we were talking a little bit about the indie space, but I want to dig back into uh, what Jeff is doing on Narcosis specifically and I kind of want to dig into you know how does it how do you find a project like this um, wh- what was the thing that kind of attracted you to becoming involved in in a game that's really interesting in a lot of different ways we, you know it's, it's this kind of uh, underwater uh, uh, kind of I, I, I'm not going to say Bioshock It feels like, it feels like Outlast
3: but underwater a little now, bit. Now have you had a chance to uh to play it in VR? Yes. Okay.
0: And it's crazy.
3: Yeah. That yeah. that was the that was sort of the moment where, you know, the first time I tried and this was one of the very, very early, early, early early builds, uh, but getting to try that in VR for the first time and like I you know, we had talked about the premise of the game and and um You know, my involvement with it was initially largely due to the the you know friendship I had with Garnet and his recommendation to David, and then David and I hitting it off. But the more we sort of talked about what they wanted to do with it narratively, and I can't really I can't there's a lot I can't really talk about in terms of spoiling it. But part of the part of what what attracted me to the game from a narrative perspective is it's not narrative that's delivered in a traditional way part of the puzzle of the game is trying to figure out what exactly how that narrative actually fits into what you're experiencing mm. um and you know we've been pretty good about you know keeping it relatively mysterious uh with the trailers and stuff but there's sort of more than meets the eye uh, uh in terms of how they how how the story is going to be told um so that was that was one thing that really really drew me into it and the other thing was like I said trying it in VR for the first time was it's it's a really tactile experience because Mm -hmm. you know you know just because of the setting you're in a you know industrial diving suit um, and with the Oculus you know gear on and the headphones you kind of already feel like you're wearing a helmet of some sort.
1: Yeah, I felt that way.
3: So I felt
2: that way. Yeah. So I was
3: I was I mean even in the first demo I was. Um, this is before we had inserted any actual, before I did any of the breathing sounds and that sort of stuff. We, I found my, my, my own breathing was being affected by the gameplay. Like I, I was, I was, I was like, why am I holding my breath? You know, it's, I'm in, I'm in (laughs) this, like, I felt like I was in a suit. So that, I mean, that, that for me was, was really cool. It it does kind of add this, you know, I think a lot of VR experiences will do that. Just add this level of, of immersion that. You know, is going to make a lot of different experiences really, you know, that weren't really wouldn't have been that compelling in traditional presentational, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like two D experience. Like I could see doing an entire game on, you know, crime scene forensics, right? Like you're mm-hmm. walking around a crime scene and picking stuff up and you know manipulating it and so, and that and you could certainly do that in a two D space, but the immersion you'd get by actually being there in the room, you know interacting with your environment, it 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 creates this level of presence that, uh, that games haven't really been able to achieve until now. Right. right. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Is it something where, cause this is the thing I've always wondered is, you know, when folks are doing mocap sessions and things like that, you're getting art, you're getting direction from off screen True. from a director or somewhere in the room. When you're doing VO stuff like this i know there's also direction for things like this but i also know that you know how do you how do you role play uh, a character like this when you're going through these kind of very uh tight submerged uh like you said in a in a suit uh that's like trying to figure his way through this through this 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 pathway through this building or through this through this this environment is there anything that you had to do specifically to kind of get into the role to to kind of know how to how to act that out in a really cool uh cool way yeah
3: well i mean david and i talked a lot about uh the character and, and really sort of developed who he was over the first sort of year and a half of working together um mm-hmm. and and really the guy is i mean so his you know his vocal cadence is very uh, or his vocal tone is very similar to mine, but his cadence is very... He's an engineer. Um, he's very introverted. And he, you know, he, he he tends to pause a lot, you know, and think about what he says before he says it. And and so, right. and so it creates this sort of heaviness to the character that, that <clears throat> you know, I don't naturally... I tend to, you know, when I get off on a, on a riff or something, I'll, you know, talk relatively fast. This guy's very measured speech and very, you know, is very and it's part of the reason why he was able to, you know, survive this experience, uh, was just being sort of, uh, you know, when confronted with tragedy and danger and just insane circumstances, uh, he's the kind of guy where he can fall back on his training and fall back on his, uh, uh, knowledge of the situation and sort of not panic. He's a little bit more detached, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, we did a bunch of character work there. We, the, the recording session that we did, uh, up in Berkeley, uh, right after GDC, um, they actually it was the end of the second day recording, and uh, David uh, cooked up a handful of uh, you know improv scenarios for mm. for me things to things to sort of riff on, and uh, you know we did about half a dozen of those, and apparently and I haven't had a chance to really go go over much of that stuff, but I guess that was received very well, so there you know we're we're tweaking the script and trying to figure out you know where the best placement for these bits of vo are going to be and you know it's really it's coming along it's a it's a very organic process though and and i guess i guess that's one of the other things that really attracted me to working with these guys is that you know they just the ultimate goal is to make a really cool immersive experience that's you know unique and original and and fun uh and uh and it's really, you know, egos and standard industry BS. That's all sort of like nobody has time for it. It's just we're all focused on making a a really good product, so. Great.
2: So so um, I know you said that, you know, you're obviously limited in, like, what you can say in terms of the spoilers, but is is there anything about the game after you get involved with it that surprised you or that, like, was something about getting into the mode of this character you know that you didn't sort of expect kind of going in after you read the initial script
3: yes uh, no absolutely that's a great question because the the sort of initial impression was that okay maybe this is sort of a you know uh you know, it's like a gritty survivalist type. You know, it's more of a traditional sort of what a stereotype you would think in your mind of like a, you know, it's badass undersea guy. You know, and so he's gonna he's gonna be like Clint Eastwood. You know, and and yeah, and this and and you know, basically as the script is developed, and you know, a lot of this stuff was already you know part of the core idea before I even joined the project, but um, it has it has this sort of undercurrent to it that you know, without spoiling our game, um, you know, I, and I won't talk about, you know, mean, it's, it's been out for a while, but you look at, you look at something like the last of us, right. And, mm-hmm. and the, the most interesting part of that game narratively to me is the subtle sort of implications that they make toward, you know, as the story's coming to a conclusion about human nature and about what decisions we're willing to make and how far we're willing to go and what we're willing to sacrifice. Um, for the ones we love and that sort of thing. And so there is a, it's not thematically like that, but what we're doing is, is hopefully going to, to, you know, cause some player introspection uh, about some, you know, some difficult issues, namely, you know, what would you do in this sort of, you know, lose, lose situation? You know, what would you, how far would you go to survive? Um, you know, when is, when is it too much? When is, you know, and so anyway, the the things that it's saying about human nature, I think are pretty interesting as well. So there's, it's not, you know, you aren't going to get down there and it's not going to be the abyss. You're not going to run into aliens and stuff like that. (laughs) You know, you know, this is not, this is not that game, but, um,
2: so so it's not going to be like underwater, like call of duty. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right no exactly exactly yeah the bullet the bullet physics get all janky when you get down underwater.
2: i mean we've already had like call of duty in space where you're shooting actual astronauts with guns in space right so it's, <laughs> yeah. so it's not out of the question no it's not no uh, uh yeah no that's that's not where we're going with this uh
3: look you know i don't i don't have any problem with you know i i i went through, a huge phase mainly because that's all there, all there was at the time, but I played my fair share of shooter after shooter. You know, I, Oh, sure. I, you know, I played Counter-Strike competitively back when I was in college and that sort of stuff. And it's, it's, there's definitely something to be said, for, <laughs> said for that stuff, but, but uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do something a little, uh, a little more thinky, a little more uh, intense. Uh, nice so.
1: Back of the box quote right there. Yeah.
3: Yeah. A little more thinky. Thank you. A Little more. Thank
1: you.
0: <laughs> so, so before we jump into our breakdown section, a uh, breakdown segment, I should say, uh, I would love to know. As another curveball question, sure. I'm going to hit you with with a a, a good one. Um, we've seen celebrities kind of jump into the VO game, and it's and I don't know if I would say that it's turned out amazingly well. I'm <clears throat> key for some of them, um, but I'm kind of curious if there was any role that is currently. and This is not like to throw anybody else under the bus and be like, "I'm taking your job." But it's like there are some iconic figures who have kind of been in the gaming space now. Uh, you know, you'll have like a Nathan Drake or something like that. Right. Is there any of those characters a, a, a solid snake that you would say I would really like to take my chance? and 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 jump into that role and see what I could bring to it that 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 hasn't been brought to before.
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There are, you know, there are a ton of roles that I mean, and part part of it, is, you know, it's sort of a double-edged sort of a question because part of the reason that these roles are so attractive is because, you know, the people that have performed them before traditionally have, have done a, an amazing job and you you know take some, take on a role like that cuz you think you can You know, add something to it or offer a fresh interpretation. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Mark Hamill's Joker has got to be one of the most like brilliant voiceover, you know, performances that in games I think. Um, Yeah, you know, so something like that would be would be incredible amount of fun to do. But but you know, I would also love to. Man, you know, like Red Dead Redemption is probably one of my favorite games of all time, Um, and and getting to play a protagonist in a big sweeping open world thing like that would be, uh, you know, that's sort of in the dream come true category. Um, you know, to work on a work on a really big project. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Mass Effect series. You know, something like that would be uh, pretty amazing to work on. But I would also be incredibly thrilled to work on, you know, a bigger project like that and do a dozen character voices, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the... The smaller characters or the the villains or the the quirky characters that don't have as much screen time are actually a lot more interesting to play uh, as an actor so um, yeah no i'm 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 pretty much open to anything i just I just love you know I just love the craft I love doing it
0: absolutely yeah it's 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 funny because when you say that I'm like, man, there are a lot of folks who get top billing, but some of those kind of tertiary characters have had some really amazing parts too. You know what I mean? Like they've had some really great uh, parts and I'm thinking especially of Mass Effect when you, when you say that. so it's just Absolutely, like, yeah. Oh man, I'm like, I want, I, want to, I want to hug Grunt.
3: Totally, yeah. He's <laughs> he's definitely, yeah. All, actually all the, uh, all the, uh, or, or not Rex and all, all those guys. I mean, right. yeah, just some really, really great characters.
2: Shout out to Morden.
3: Oh, yeah. my boy. <laughs> Morden's my boy.
1: <laughs> Singing that song. Oh, um, man.
3: and and you know
1: what we're we're about to sing a song um a song that uh, you guys haven't heard in a in a while um because ladies and gentlemen for it's time to break it down break it down lies, women's, women's, and lies. yeah the lies,
0: so we jump into the breakdown segment this this week, and I think one of the kind of cool stories that, that Reef put onto the docket uh, deals with how, I don't know, it's it's kind of gatekeeping right now. Amazon is putting a Prime-only stamp on some of the uh, titles that you've known to come and love, uh, GTA being one of them specifically that they kind of pushed to the side and only gave to Prime owners. Reef, is there any... Any any craziness going on along with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, Amazon, you know, that's the store where you can get anything anytime you want. Like in some cities, you can get that Amazon Instant where you get stuff in like a hour or something crazy yeah. like that. Um, so as far as I know, I've never heard of sort of restrictions that different publishers or different companies have put on their stuff within Amazon. But yeah, this story is saying is that in... in it it like kinda of started in the UK where like people noticed that they couldn't buy copies of sort of major games like Grand Theft Auto Five, Far Cry Primal, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, Battlefield Hardline, and Rainbow Six Siege. So normally with Prime you get sort of a discount if you buy games, but this mm-hmm. is saying that you literally could not buy it on Amazon at at all if you didn't have, you know, the the ninety dollar a year or I think they raise it actually. Yeah, it's a hundred. Um, it's a
1: hundred bucks a year now. Right? Really? Oh, yeah. oh man! Yeah. Right. But, but but right. And and sorry to cut you off here, Reef. i but okay. I I've, I've I thought it was just that you couldn't buy them at the discounted price.
2: No, you can't buy them at all unless they're from third party sellers on Amazon's site. Mm. So like most of the time, when you buy something on like Amazon. You you, you you can like buy it where it's actually like fulfilled by Amazon. I mean, you get the Prime stuff right, and right. the three day mm-hmm. shipping. Or there's like third parties that like actually sell it with their own shipping and that kind of stuff. So 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 like you can get it like shipped and fulfilled by shipped and fulfilled by Amazon. Right. Um. You know. Um. And and the U.S. one, the only one that they saw that for is Grant Theft Photo Five. Um, but I thought that this brought up a very interesting point, you know, as, uh, you know, as obviously everybody is trying to, you know, keep their money in the game, in the gaming industry pie. Um, if we'll see some more of these kind of restrictions from like these major companies that like sell games, like, I mean, if like Amazon's doing it, you know, like maybe a, maybe a Walmart or like another sort of. Um, big big company that sells games outside of sort of the the uh, e shops and like GameStop. It's possible that they might start this as well, which to me is it's really crazy. But the fact that it's happened, you know, um, you know, and, and and I think they verified with Amazon that this is not like an error, like it is like a sort of planned thing. Um, so like I just wanted to kind of throw it out to everybody. You know, do you think that this is a good move? By Amazon and do you think that this is sort of something that, you know, will push people into Prime? Or is it something that you think will sort of make people say, Hell, I'm not supporting them for games at all. <laughs> it's like they're gonna be <laughs> assholes about it. Um so I'll start with uh Mr. Holmes.
1: Oh, wow. Um well uh as the um pro capitalism republican. <laughs> oh, um, you know, I'm going to say, well, so first, first and foremost, I'm going to say that there is, uh, there are these theories, uh, retail organizations called Sam's Club and Costco, uh, where in order for you to buy anything in the store at any time, you need to be a member. You have to buy the membership and, you know, Amazon is well within their right to have members only Prices for video games or members only jackets. Um, I hate you for saying
2: (laughs) that. Is it a good move though? I'm. I'm. I mean, it's definitely their right. I mean, they're not going to get sued for it. But right. Like, is it a good move? Do you? you Um. uh,
1: uh, You know. I mean. Really. I think that's. I think the answer to that question is really subjective. I, I. You know. Um. You know. Obviously, from. From. Amazon's perspective going into it, they thought it was a good move, and and you know the answer to whether or not they still believe that on the you know on the on the flip side is how many sales they received, and um, you know and I think really honestly what happens is the and I hate to say this, but the market will decide um, whether or not they th- you know whether or not it, it really was a good move. Um, are you running it, for office? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I will. I will at some point. But um, you know, but in the in the meantime, I'm getting you know I'm getting my stump speeches and all my rhetoric and in, in in place. Um, but but truly and honestly, the market will decide whether or not it was a good idea. If if people go out and and it resonates with those people that are Amazon Prime members. Or if they see a significant increase in Amazon Prime memberships, uh, which have incidentally now gone monthly, I believe that you can get it for nine dollars a month now. Um, So you can, you know, so you could see something like this and say, oh, I'm going to save 20 bucks on GTA five. I can spend 10 bucks, get access to Amazon Prime, see what it's all about, blah, 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 blah and and still come out ahead by purchasing GTA 5 if if Amazon is seeing an uptick in membership and subscriptions as a result of doing this then then of uh, you know obviously they're going to continue to do it but if people are actively staying away or they're actively going to the third party sellers and not using the Amazon Prime uh you know uh resellers or or uh you know whatever those things are called Then I'm a wordsmith, guys. Um, Then, you know, then obviously they're they're not going to continue doing it. Um, But, yeah, you know, I say go for it. I I say go for it. You you know, Amazon Prime membership, I pay it every year. This is my first year paying for it, uh, paying 100 bucks for it. Um, You know, I say fuck it. I I bought it. And, uh, you know, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, I want to have something besides movies and music. And and a couple of free books to say, oh yeah, this is this is worth worth my money. Okay. Jeff, what do, what do you think about this?
3: Well, I mean, the the thing about it that, that puzzles me is not so much that they wanted to do this and give give Prime members a you know a little extra advantage or whatever. It's just that they they it, it part of that equation was hey, let's not sell this thing retail for non-prime members. I don't understand why you wouldn't because really at that point you're going, okay, either join if you want to get this game, join prime and get it or fuck off to another site, you know, and get it there. <laughs> like there there really is no middle ground whereas you would think the way I mean the way they had it before was yeah, prime members would still get great deals, but you know, if you didn't want to pony up for the prime membership, you could still buy it from them at retail. I I just it just seems to me like you know an awfully aggressive move that may you know result in other customers that would would have been happy to buy it at retail from them to go elsewhere mm-hmm. you know to buy to buy the pay the retail price for it
0: yeah i think i think this is one of those things where we see amazon kind of trying something and putting it out live and then you know, like C was saying, you know, before he went all oh, Ronald Reagan on me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, try, you know, try to see exactly what the market will say about it, and 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 we'll see. I, I wonder. It, it feels like another version of the get your pre-order, but get the cool stuff spread spread out between like seven sure. different retailers. And this feels like another semi-version of that without getting the cool trinket. So it's like. We'll see what that means in the grand scheme. I just don't understand what benefit they get from it when there are so many other places that you can still get still get whatever that game is right. and still have it shipped to you and have it at your door fairly fairly quickly and probably in the same amount of time as Amazon would say well so, it, re-
1: remember though that guys this this was a flash sale, so these you know these are sales that you know take place for an hour, two hours uh, tops. And they're, you know, heavily discounted Black Friday like sales. Mm-hmm. And so for that period of time, you couldn't buy the game normal retail if you weren't a prime membership for a price that was different from the flash sale price. But then once the sale was over, you could, you know, normal shopping resumed.
0: Uh, Reef, what's the deal with Nintendo, your favoriteest people on the whole planet?
1: nintendo
2: um so there's been a lot of rumors you know recently about their next console um and about zelda so they released a press release they released a press release that's pretty dumb um (laughs) but uh and the basics behind it are they announced the formal release uh period for the nintendo nx their next console will be march 2017 um they also stated that this console will not be at E3 which is you know in June of 2016 um and they said that the only uh playable game that they will have on the floor at E3 is Zelda but only the Wii U version um because they because their final announcement was that Zelda will be released for both the Wii U and the NX in March like in a similar manner that Twilight Princess was both a GameCube and Wii U, uh, uh, sorry, and Wii game uh, when the uh, when the Wii debuted as well, um, you know. So there's been you know a lot of uh, opinion on this. I want to sort of go around the board to see if you guys think that these are good moves by Nintendo, or you know, or or if you think that you know that it's lacking and uh, you know, and that it's harmful. Um, so this time I'll I'll start with Kyle. This time, what, what do you what do you think? Uh,
0: as a person who believes that the Wii U should be called the Y Me, and I believe that this should mix <laughs> the NX, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> this is. I, I honestly, I feel like this is possibly a mistake. It isn't going to come out for another year. <laughs> And you said March was going to be the the launch date. Yep. And that would mean that they're not going to show at an E3 at all. Yes. Until this thing is launched. Correct. They do have their own means and ways of being able to show their systems. They they, they can do whatever they want, basically, because they have their own channels to kind of spread and disseminate this information out to folks. But I do think it does them a disservice, especially with the, the... the perception to a certain extent is that they haven't had the games and they haven't had enough of them in big batches to really make a lot of moves. I think this is a bad deal for them to a certain extent, but you know the financials say otherwise always is that they continue to make money, you no know, regardless of whatever missteps they might they might do. So we'll see. I, I it's hard to determine. I'm, I'm just would like to see if they're going to show something so that people can get hands on and, and, and give like a, a real proper uh, uh, relaying of the information to whatever their communities may be. Um, let's see, Jeff, what do what do you think about the, the NX not showing up at E3 this year?
3: Well, I, I mean, look, Nintendo kind of does its own thing and Nintendo traditionally has done its own thing. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that this is going to hurt them too much. I do think it says something more about the viability of, giant trade shows like e3 in general um Mm -hmm. you know so for example you know microsoft and sony decide to follow suit or do something similar and you know they're already holding their keynotes off site and maybe they pop for a you know giant room to have all their stuff set up so it's not only is it like e3 but it's just their stuff you know and and Mm -hmm. and i could see it from a cost perspective it's it's obviously a lot cheaper to do something like that. Message control is a lot easier. Fans can tune in and, like, watch that stuff online, so they're, you know, other than getting the hands-on, it's almost like being there. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I honestly don't... Nintendo's sort of weird. I haven't been able to put my finger on what they're doing. Like, they've made a lot of decisions. I mean, I love, you know, when the games that they do put out and the systems that they do put out, but they make a lot of decisions that are really perplexing to me Um, to a Mm. certain degree. It seems like to
2: everyone, you know, (laughs) yeah, they're, they're like
3: chasing. Look, I don't even think they know why the, Wii did what it did the first Wii, Like, I don't, I don't even think they, they have a good handle on that. And like, it's, it's evident in, they haven't been able to, you know, continue that frenzy and excitement and magic. It's sort of like, Oh, this was a neat gimmick and, you know, burned itself out over a couple of years. Um, you know the, the motion control is what I'm talking about specifically um, mm-hmm. and you know the Wii use touchpad controller is sort of like what the fuck are you guys doing with this like <laughs> like I saw, some, I saw some pretty cool applications for it like it's like oh it's neat to be able to play Rayman and have like you know somebody else doing second screen stuff but most of it was really really poorly thought out like most people playing a single player game are not going to want to look away from the TV to look down at a game you know it's like playing a game with your ipad it's like who the hell wants to do that Um, you know so i don't know i mean i think i think where they are right now it's like probably better for them because they get to control the message more and they may not have much much of a message at this point other than hey we got a new system in zelda coming out so Mm -hmm. you know maybe it is a, a good thing for them um Anyway, that was a super long winded way to respond no, to that. But.
0: No. <laughs> but. no, that was totally fine. Before we pivot to C, I kind of want to double down on that really quick of what you said about E3. Do you, do you feel like E three is is kind of going back to that? You remember there was a couple of years when it was down in I think like San Diego. Oh yeah, know, it in, like, Santa Monica. There like, was in a bunch of hotels. Yeah, right. Do you feel like it may be kind of digging back into that a little bit too? I don't think like people are kind of moving. You know,
3: I don't think it'll be that because that was kind of a shit show. Like that was that <laughs> was like you know you had journalists hated it because you were, it was people were getting split between all these different locations and like. know even when everything's all in one big convention hall like e3 it's still kind of like a challenge to get around to see everything you need to see so you know it made i I don't think the publishers realized it at first but it kind of made the you know journalists make more tough choices about what they were going to cover and you know that kind of stuff than they probably would have preferred um Mm -hmm. so i don't necessarily see like i think i think i think there's a value to having a large trade show like that whether or not mm-hmm. it needs to be as large as it has been and have these multi-million dollar booths that's sort of up for debate like i could see i could see you know the big guys having their own you know individual keynotes a lot of information you get all the main info dump and then you have like a showroom floor where it's you know the business and networking stuff and hands on and and you know, you, maybe you even bifurcate that into a fan event where it's like okay look if you're you know just want to get your hands on the new stuff you can come to this event if you're you know press or business development or whatever go go to this go to this event i don't know what the right situation the solution is but right now it seems like you know they're people are trying to figure out how to spend less money and still get you know the same or better exposure better coverage
0: mm-hmm. see what do, what do you think about the nintendo mixing it's a uh... Its appearance at
1: mixing its NX there. I, I see what mm, you did I there. like Even that you didn't see it. That's pretty um, good, guy. Huh? Yeah, that was pretty good. Unintentional uh, wordplay. <laughs> so, so um, I, what I think is about this is, you know, first off, I think people are going to want to see Zelda because they care about Zelda, but they don't care about the Wii U. And Mm. I think people are going to see, you know, check out Zelda and just wait for the NX version of Zelda. But what I really think is interesting is basically Nintendo coming out and saying uh, that they don't really care that the American audience is going to be able to see the NX console uh, in person prior to it being released. Mm-hmm. Um, because there won't be a another conference where they can actually show it domestically um, prior to its release. You know, you've got PAX Prime, but they're not going to show it at PAX Prime. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and to be quite honest, I mean, that's really the last American show. Yeah. Um, before, before you know, uh, you know maybe maybe CES, but you know video games are you know that video would games are at CES, <laughs> right? Yeah, they go video games aren't at school. CES, and and if there was a console manufacturer at CES, the last one would be Nintendo. Um, so uh, you know maybe we'll see something at the Game Awards, but the Game Awards isn't a forum really where you know. Even the the press that's there is going to have a real, a very real opportunity to have a hands on with it, um, to to kind of see what it is and parse it out. Um, so you'll have to go to either. I'm I'm sure it'll be at TGS. Um, you know, I'm not too sure about Gamescom, but you know. But again, my point is that it won't be here in America. We'll we'll, we'll be able to see it. Um, so that's that's really weird to me.
0: Reef, you, let me let me ping you really quick before you give a, a, a big a big answer. I'm kind of curious because I know that you care a lot about the. I'm just right. I paused you on that. Hold a on. Big one answer. Second. A big answer. Um, I know because I know you. I know you of most people on this show really care about the well-being of Nintendo. Kind of doing well, and do you feel like this is a sign that they may be a little bit scared about uh, about showing off their new hardware?
2: I mean, I do a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, obviously they've been sort of critically attacked a lot, um, I would say, in the gaming press. While their games usually rate fairly well, I feel like a lot of the hardware and the business decisions have not. Um, Mm -hmm. So what I worry about is for a console that's releasing in 11 months, I feel like it should be ready enough that they could at the very least put together a 15-minute demo with a, you know, with a console behind a, you know, glass door or whatever and just have people play that. Like that's what worries me. If this was coming out in late 2017, I'd be fine with them skipping it right. through. But right. it does make me think that they're going to go up to the last minute trying to shore this thing out and that does not give me confidence. Now, one thing that would change this is one thing I have liked that Nintendo has done, um, that other companies have not done, is that they've made a lot of their demos that they've shown at conferences available via Best Buy. Um, mm. So for the last couple years, like you can play sort of the E3 demos and like a, and like the and like that 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 kind of stuff early. So I was thinking, yo, what if they have like NXs in Best Buy? <laughs> That you can play. I mean, like you, like you never know. Like I really, you know, because I am sort of sad on the fact that they aren't showing this at E three, right. but at the same time, I'm really excited with the fact that with the new leadership under Nintendo, and like a lot of this was started by like A Wada, but the fact that they they have a mobile sh- strategy now, they have money coming in from the Amiibos. They're sort of taking more risks with their licenses. They have the Universal theme mm-hmm. park thing. They they have like a Pokemon Tekken mashup game that's out now. Mm-hmm. Um, they already had like the Hyrule kind of Dynasty Warriors thing. So like they look like they're taking more risks than they have in the past. So I'm hoping that that extends to this console, but... I still think it should have been at E3. I think they should have had something, even if it's just, as I said, a five, ten minute self-guided demo that just shows some freaking volumetric lighting on a wall or, or something. You know, <laughs> um, what, I, what I really
0: want is them to actually take you up on your on your idea and have the NX behind a piece of glass. But fuck with people and it will just be frosted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's... no one would know what it would look like. They yeah. would just see the silhouette behind the piece of glass. Yeah, I'm saying pissed. if it comes out
2: in March 2017, they should be able to put together a fucking tech demo with just the guts of the system. Throw it in a freaking ugly ass rectangular box.
1: I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to see a tub full of rubber duckies anymore. <laughs> um, I, I really, I really, honestly do think that the hardware is all but finished. Right. But the but be. the but the reason that we're not seeing anything at E three is because the software isn't.
2: Mm. You know, we they don't have a lineup. So just have a tech demo. I'm I'm saying they don't need like full out games.
0: But
1: they and but we, they,
2: but but they can't that. they, did they did can't have
1: the... they can't have a tech demo.
0: But they did that with the, it wasn't a real demo, but they showed the kind of mock-up of what Zelda was supposed right. to be like on a new system. And I don't know why. What, and, I, and that makes me really think that you're right. So he's like, you know, they maybe just don't have that version up up yet. So. Yeah, right. I, right. I just
1: I just mm-hmm. think, I think Zelda is ready-ish, you know, nice. maybe 60, mm. 65%. Um, and, but I, I think it's the rest of the lineup. That they, you know, that they want to be able to, when they finally do show this console, that they're going to be able to say, not only do are you going to get Zelda, because everybody knows that you're going to get Zelda, but they're, you're also going to be able to get these, four, these other yeah. four uh, Nintendo franchise, you know, N- Nintendo franchisee uh, characters in these other games at launch. Last last word, Reef.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I do worry a little bit about Zelda because I hope that they've been developing this natively for the NX this whole time, and mm-hmm. that's why they haven't showed a lot of footage. Because one thing I really didn't like about Twilight Princess was that the GameCube game looked pretty identical to the Wii game, graphically. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And if this is going to be a more powerful console, like I really want them to blow folks out the water with it, and if they're... Limiting it to sort of the Wii U um, power capability and just going to release it on the NX, I think that'll be a bad step for them.
0: Oh man, yeah, it's it's we 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 will be chasing this down once we have more more uh, info on it and definitely sharing that. Uh, I wish I'm hoping that they do something at E3 because we'll be there and hopefully we'll see what the deal is with that. Um, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, the beta was out this past week, um, and I know that Reef got a chance to play some of that. Oh we, oh, we skipped Star Fox. My bad. You're right. You're right about that. We should definitely dig into some Star Fox. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, So Star Fox has gotten pretty, I would say, mediocre to bad reviews. Um, a lot of it is because, you know, it has really heavy gamepad integration. Um, and I think that at this point in the Wii U cycle, like if something doesn't sort of immediately catch with people, um, I don't think they're going to give it much of a chance like we saw kind of a similar thing with uh splatoon um where you know it defaults to the motion controls and i remember the early reviews for a lot of people uh uh, 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 a lot of people were like this game sucks um and eventually after sort of like the word of mouth came out you know i think a lot of people kind of came around and it ended up being you know a pretty well-rated game i think Mm -hmm. um and, but I think for Star Fox, I think people are just, you know, you know, like a uh, polygon infam- infamously didn't even review it. Like Arthur Geese was like, yo, I just, I just couldn't get through it. So I'm not, not going to give it a score. Um, that's but, kind of amazing. But I will say that it took me, I would say a good hour to get used to the controls, which I think is asking a lot from right. somebody that's not already invested in the franchise. So I think that this is a game that I understand the ratings because it does take a while. I will say for me personally, once it clicked, it's a really good game. Um, it's, and, and the reason why I think it's a really good game is because it sort of takes that sort of arcadey shooter feel of, you know, the, Star Fox slash Afterburner slash that era of, like, games. Right. And it throws in some more tactics because there's sort of different vehicles that you can transform into. So it kind of feels a little bit like um, the recent Transformers games of the past few years right. where you're constantly are switching good. between forms, um, you know, and, like, y- y- you can, like, basically take on challenges any way that you want. But that stuff doesn't really come into play until number one you've gotten used to the controls and number two after you've gotten through maybe half of the game so it really I feel like they did a bad thing by not putting a lot of that stuff up front and making the controls a little more accessible Um, you know because I really think it's a strong game if you're into that kind of sort of on rails arcadey kind of like get the most points kind of game because obviously it's not going to have a deep story it's Star Fox you're Saving the world from an evil monkey. The end. Citizen know? Kane of flying yeah. simulators. Yeah, yeah but, well, but 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 I really have enjoyed it. Like I'm still playing it. You know, um, I beat the game once. I'm going back through it again. There's a lot of unlockables. Um, there's a lot of like hidden planets and like uh, things like that. Um, and I'm just really enjoying like the tactical part of it. Um, you know, um, but I can understand how if if you don't have a current attachment to it and like you're not willing to sort of say, hey, I'm gonna spend an hour getting used to controls of a game that controls really weird, um, it's not, you know, it's just not accessible to a lot of people. Jeff, Jeff, had you had a chance to mess around with with Star Fox? I
3: haven't. No, um, you know, but I, I mean, just just in general, like, like I. I don't know. I, I, I guess the bottom line is several years ago, is I realized that while I did do enjoy a lot of Nintendo's stuff still, that I'm not their target audience, and they don't. Mm. And they don't. Moreover, they're like, I don't care, you know. Like I don't care. I don't care, <laughs> right. you know. I, I don't care. We're, we're doing fine, and, and that's totally cool. Um, so, uh, I guess that's a rather negative way of saying. No, I no, I haven't.
2: Uh, nope. I don't I don't think it's negative at all. I mean, I think that, you know, like Nintendo's position right now is very niche. And I just hope their business model realizes that. And they don't plan themselves for these Wii-type numbers, which I feel like they did with the Wii U, which really damaged it. Right. Like they need to understand that, hey, focus on profit. Don't focus on trying to sell crazy amounts. Just focus on making money and deal with smaller numbers of sales and smaller numbers of stuff and keep it moving, you know? Well,
1: if they're focusing on profit um, in in that way while they're making games, that means that the production on those games will be lower. If you're saying to simultaneously focus on profits and not focus on the number of of game sales.
2: No, 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 no. I don't don't think so. I think that their quality will always be high. But I think that... they got very spoiled by the Wii sales and the profit they made during the Wii era was just ridiculous. Sure. So I think that they were looking for ridiculous profit. Okay. Um, Whereas in the, you know, SNES, N64 and GameCube era, they were profiting very, very well but the Wii was just on like just a, just money dropping out the sky kind of level, you know?
1: Yeah, well I think that I think most of that was on console sales and not not so much on, on the sales of most of the games. There were some games that obviously did ridiculously well. A lot of those also went well uh, for the Wii U. Um, but I, I, I just want I just want to say something about Star Fox really quickly that that uh, Jeff kind of brought up. That the, there is a this gamepad integration where you actually are using the gamepad and playing the game on the television at the same time that i think a lot of people are having difficulty with.
2: Yep. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, I I mean like the game is designed that the gamepad is essential to it. Um what i found is that you really don't have to look at the gamepad at all because there's okay. a button that lets you switch the main sc- to basically alt- flip the screens. Um Oh, okay. So okay, like cool. so like you still have to use the gyroscope of the gamepad for motion controls for like right. part of it. Um, but you know it. but they don't make that that clear in the game right oh, so it's okay. something that, that, that I kind of read on a forum basically you know right. Um, Got it. Okay. so yeah I mean it's, it's a good game but it's I completely understand why people will not want to waste the time to really you know learn how to do it
0: well speaking of a game that I really want to be good I want Mirror's Edge Catalyst to be good and there was a beta that came out I, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit um, and I know you got a chance to play some of that reef. I know I got a chance to play the really early version, the alpha stuff, back at uh, uh I think it was PSX or something to that effect. Um, but what were what were your thoughts about uh the beta?
2: I absolutely loved it. Yes. Did you really? Yes. yes. I absolutely loved it. It was <laughs> Jeff. It excited. was the Mirror's Edge that I wanted, meaning That's that terrible. like. You know, it's I wouldn't call it an open world game, but you feel a lot of freedom in terms of where you can go. Um, There's actual awesome cutscenes in it, as opposed Mm -hmm. to sort of the ones in the original kind of Mirror's Edge. Um, You know, it moves really, really fast, and it if you don't keep up your momentum, like you'll fall to the ground, and like you feel it, like it hurts.
1: Mm -hmm. You know,
2: so like they really do kind of, I feel like. Punish you for not sort of like if you're falling from a high point, pressing the button that braces your fall and makes you kind of roll and like mm-hmm. a, that kind of thing. So it incentivizes you to make sure that you're keep keep keeping up with that. And I also like that at least in this demo, there are enemies that are kind of boilerplate, you know, just guys with like nightsticks, like "Hey, uh, stop" or whatever. But <laughs> like,
0: your your VO work is amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I, I know
2: I, I I taught Jeff all he knows um, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning <laughs> yeah. but the key thing I like that they handle that is you don't have to fight them there are some that you do have to when they're showing you sort of the tutorial like this is how you kick someone mm-hmm. in the face but once you get past that you can if you're good enough you can parkour past entire sections nice. w- which is like one thing that frustrates me about games like uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider or like even Deus Ex, where like I'm like, I could sneak past this whole part, but this door won't open until I kill everyone. Right. <laughs> you know. Um. So I. So so yeah. I mean, th- there's a point where you get outside and you sort of get this cool view of, like the cityscape. It looks really nice. Um. I'm totally amped for this game. Jeff, I know. I know you sounded like you you had some time with us.
3: Yeah. No. I'm. I'm really really excited too. Um. The well, you know, I mean, it's been in development for a while. Right. And we know that they've taken fan feedback to heart and that, you know, the whole, you know, half measures about gunplay that they were trying in the first game or, you know, they're really, really reducing, you know, or eliminating that altogether. I don't know. I think it's gone from the game. Right. You don't actually get to, to you know, grab and shoot weapons at people, do you?
1: No. Yeah. You No, no, you're not doing that. No faith. Gun-toting right. this time around.
3: So I'm a huge fan of, of, of that just in general because it's a game that didn't need that. Um, and there really aren't... I guess Dying Light does a, does okay parkour as well. But, but you know, I like that style of gameplay. It's really, when, when done well, it's very, very uh, very fun.
1: Right.
0: See? See, any quick thoughts?
1: No, nah, you know, um, the, one of my secret shames is I didn't play a lot of uh, Mirror's Edge, the original... Um, uh, I worked. Get, at off, Game get St- off the show. Yeah, I, the I worked. At, I, worked at, I worked at GameStop at the time, and uh, my fondest memory of Mirror's Edge was the messenger bag that we that they we were <laughs> selling oh. as, a, as a, that they had as a pre-order. That they we, were dope. Yeah, they were dope. That we that we got um, because we didn't sell enough pre-orders of, of Mirror's Edge. So I got a free <laughs> so messenger joking. bag. <laughs> Um, and, and I used, I used the shit out of that thing, man, until the strap broke, but I mean, but it was like, it lasted a lot longer than those, than those games did. Um, so, so, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I'm really excited for Mirror's Edge. Um, what I'm excited, what I'm most excited for is the inevitable VR version of Mirror's Edge. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's going to cause so many accidents. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So many hospital yeah, visits I'm, for that. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for the hardcore Henry version Of nice. Mirror's Edge
2: I just hope I can like Put my Oculus on And just run out of my apartment <laughs> 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 You know I just, I just need like a long enough cord I'll just run down the hallway And oh, start God. running on the wall they're, the gonna swear, they're, they're, gonna, they're
0: gonna swear You're Martin Lawrence You're gonna be running out sweating <laughs> in the middle of the street With some sweatpants on the ground somewhere you are going to have the people come get you. Hey, I am I'm, I'm super excited for Mirror's Edge. I love that series. I love that 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 IP. I'm just really happy that Faith is not going to be played by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> nice. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm excited uh for the rest of that game to come out uh because what I did play at the in the alpha was super dope. Um last story of the show is kind of a funny one. Uh the folks from ESL uh, they are one of the bigger uh esports leagues has banned you porn's esports team because they are people who promote porn. Right. <laughs> I, know, I know that I saw the story on the docket and I was like, well, duh. Yeah. How are you not going to get them banned? What do, what, do, what do you, what do you, th- I mean, it's not think? like
2: they're streaming porn during the freaking competitions, you know, like they're, they're just, you know, that's where they get their money. Like I don't, believe that they have any kind of like weird stuff on their logos or their or their whatever like they're literally you know like the statement that esl said was you know that porn is not legal in all the markets that we operate in and a lot of the partners say no drugs no alcohol and no porn so it seems like it's something that you know is with their stuff but kind of weird that they allowed them to be on in the first place and then are getting rid of them
0: I it's weird because there was there was um, I know Brazzers decided that they wanted to promote a team once in the in the uh, fighting game community as well. So it's like I I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. Jeff, save me.
3: Um, well, you know, it's here. Here we have a product that promotes itself, right? Do you really need? <laughs> I mean, come on, like like I I I get it. I like I I get that. I'm a grown man. Right. Like like I, I don't have, I don't personally have a problem with it, but I do understand this is the same reason why you don't see that shit up on the Jumbotron or, you know, right. you know, at professional sporting events. It's because, you know, so it wigs some people out and they don't want to see that in their, you know, family entertainment. Uh, yeah. You know, even if it's just a banner or an ad, it's like, you know, imagine having to explain what that is to, you know, your kid while, while, yeah, while exactly. they're watching it. You know, I don't know. Uh, it it I mean it, I don't think it's a huge deal, but I completely understand why they have opted
0: to not allow it. I mean, as, as well as you know, Cicero really wanting to see the VR version of uh, Mirror's Edge. I'm sure he is really waiting to see the VR version of Uporn. And their team being play I'm just joking. Now you know That was a joke that fell flat.
1: Yeah, it did. It did um yeah, it was it was horrible. Um there's a porn <laughs> joke in there somewhere. Um but, I tried really hard to get yeah. that. But you know what what I think would have worked. Um ESL they shut them down because this u porn. However, if it were red tube, everything would have been fine. I think it's the porn name that really shut hmm. them down. So Red Tube Interesting had had Red Tube gone in there and done it, then that would have that would have made all the difference. It's the w- it's the better of the sites anyway. I wonder it's, though at least so I heard. I mean yes. Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice and nicey nice way to clean that up. Yeah, uh, and you. and to kinda of, to kinda of piggyback off of what it, what Jeff said about the like how do you how do you how do you share that with the children? It's it's interesting (laughs) because there are so many other vices that go along with advertising that people don't really think of. Right. But it is the kind of squeamishness that that we have here in America, and I'm
1: sure Uh, fucking puritanical bullshit. Um, you know, again, the Republican here saves the day. I'm gonna say, you know, Claritin and Viagra could sponsor a team. Right. But but Red Tube or YouPorn can't, um, which, is, which is just, you know, unbelievable bullshit. So, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, which would have been the greatest irony of ironies is if they got rid of the YouPorn uh, sponsorship and picked up the Viagra one instead or Cialis, <laughs> um, which, you know, I mean, which is, is completely likely to happen.
0: Oh man! that's a whole nother esport right in <laughs> it I, ah, I want to see, see
2: a tournament of all porn companies personally right. be awesome. <laughs> oh God, in v r anyway,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, we're about to get up out of here, Jeff. Thank you so so much for for hanging out with us. I'm so happy we finally got a chance to to have you on the show and come hang out with us. No, man, way.
3: it's been a blast and and thanks to all you guys. Uh you've been great and I, I have me on any time. Maybe I'll come back when uh, once the game's out.
0: Yes, please. We would love that. That would be really really dope. Absolutely. All right. Um before we get up out of here and see gives the social media business, I wanted to make a quick announcement. Um, I am starting a new project uh, that is based around the No Man's Sky universe. Uh, it is called allourskies.com, and it'll be something that will kind of hopefully bring the community together in a, in a cool way through content uh, curation, where folks will be able to submit uh, videos and screenshots to the site, and then we'll kind of catalog that stuff, tag it up for you so that you can kind of dig through it and, and share your discoveries with with everyone else we know that the kind of crux of that game is that for as big and and, and expansive as the universe has been you may not be able to see everybody else's stuff unless you're checking out everybody's streams and everybody's content that they're going to be making on youtube and everywhere else but i'm hoping that the site that, that i'm going to be uh starting will be a way for people to kind of come to it see some of the the better things that people are putting out there uh and, and hopefully we'll be able to share that but we also want folks to kind of in our own Brocago community, we know that a lot of people are talking about buying that game and playing that game, and we want you to definitely be a part of it. It was not going to launch until probably a week after launch or at least the week of launch uh, that comes out in June, I believe. Um, so you know stay tuned to to the site. I'll definitely be talking about it more. Uh, but also I definitely want people to come and hang out and, and, and share some of their content when they get there. So, um, I'm hoping that a lot of folks will dig it and I'm hoping that folks will rock with me on this new journey while we do this into the stratosphere and beyond. Yeah. That, that whole thing. Yeah. That, so, uh, see, can you give everyone the social media business before we get up out of here?
1: Sure thing. Sure thing. Uh, first and foremost, uh, You know, I want to thank our guest, Jeff Mattis. Um, uh, Jeff, if you've got uh, some places where the people, that you know, they listen to you, they they found out. um, They missed you from Weekend Confirmed. They remember you as being the indie guy, indie Jeff. um, They want to talk to you today. How can they
3: do that? Uh, Probably the best way is uh, at Jeff Mattis on Twitter um but uh, narcosis has a, a facebook page and a twitter page as well so if you want to follow nice. the game if you're really interested uh we're posting cool stuff up there i'm i'm helping them out with a little bit of social media
1: mumbo nice. jumbo as nice. well, so yeah there you go all right, and uh, for us, uh, before I get started, of course, want to thank our great sponsor, Mac Weldon. Remember, you guys can go to MacWeldon.com and put in the promo code SPAWN, S-P-A-W-N, to get 20% off all of your basics. Uh, trust me, do it. It's worth it. You'll, you won't regret it, and you'll thank me for it. Um, while you're on the internet and you're... Uh, subscribing to or following jeff mattis on twitter and you're following the narcosis game on twitter uh you can go to our twitter page at spawn on me and you can find all of our information there uh, we're all there find us there if you want to follow our personal accounts uh go to our website spawn on me where you can find this episode and all of our past episodes and uh, check out what's going on. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can talk to us on Twitter or you can send us an email at spawn on me podcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a voicemail at speak slash spawn on me. Um, If you're checking out the show for the very first time, you're going to iTunes, you're going to uh, Google Play now, you're going to NPR One, um, you're going to player.fm, you go to those places, you make sure you subscribe, you make sure you rate, and you make sure you review us because that really helps us out. And um, after you're done doing that, if you've got any money left over... Um, or the money that you save from using Mac Weldon, you can uh, contribute to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Spawn on Me. Word, word, and more
0: word. Um, thank you to everyone. Again, thank you, Jeff, for rocking out with us. Thank you to everyone for listening at home. Uh, and we will see you all next week on the Spawn on Me podcast. Until then, we will say Peace. Peace.
1: peace.